Hello and welcome to the OTM podcast. I'm Craig Brown. And I'm Miriam Higgins. Today we will be chatting to Lizzie McBain and Jeremy Allen. I, I didn't realise it wasn't going to be video. I was going to bring an old friend to say hello to you. but um, Aww. Uh, Who's the old friend? Emu. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky me. I was just going to spr- spring him out at a certain moment, but uh, you can't see him. So he's back in the cupboard. I'll just have to imagine him there on your knee. <laughs> Is there a story behind it? Uh, he, he worked with us, didn't he, Lizzie? Until, until you yes. sacked him. Uh, yeah, he just got too big for his boots, basically. Oh, dear. Did you know that Rod Hull used to be, like, unbearably jealous of his success? Did he? <laughs> yes. That doesn't surprise me. It was Lenny Henry that was talking about him, actually, in a, in a podcast I was listening to. Who is it? Oh, the Louis Theroux interview of Lenny Henry was talking all oh, about right. Rod Hull's unbearable jealousy of Emu's success. Oh, this was a real thing? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. He was actually tortured by how everyone loved. <laughs> everyone loved I can Amy. understand that though. I yes. think that's probably a common thing with with puppeteers. What does he yeah. What does he expect? What does he expect? Mm. If you hire Jeremy to do a show, there's always a chance he might bring Emu along. Just as a warning, word of warning. I think my mum had it worse because on my 40th birthday, uh, we went to an Italian restaurant on Valentine's night as well. Oh, and I had him in a plastic bag, but my mum was there and Melrose was there. And, my, my, and I whipped Emu out and I started, I started attacking people. Oh, Jeremy. <laughs> But it's something like that, I think, can make you feel very awkward being on the receiving end of that because it's like you just want it to stop. Who would do such a thing? How do you get through to that puppeteer? Is this a Jeremy in- intervention? <laughs> yeah. Is this, yes. this is a whole setup. <laughs> Anyway, we haven't anyway. really introed you. Uh, <laughs> hello, Lizzie and Jeremy. Hello. So, Lizzie, tell us a bit about who you are and what you do. Uh, normally, I'm a director, a theatre director, and I make work under my own company, which is Under Construction Theatre, and also direct shows for other people. I'm also, as of the last year, co-director at Arc Tea Centre, which is the community and arts space and charity. We, we've got two venues in Cowley, so I job share with Emmy O'Shaughnessy uh, to run that venue. And Jeremy, who are you and what do you do? I am Jeremy Allen and I describe myself as a writer and an actor and they're pretty much my main skill sets. I do play the guitar as well and uh, might talk about that a bit later but yeah they're the main things I do writing, acting, script writing mainly although um, that's changing as well so mm-hmm. yeah. Lizzie, can you tell us a bit more about Arc Team and your involvement in it and what happens there? Yeah, so I've worked there just over two years now and I started in the role of project manager um, for a children in need funded project that runs after school 
art sessions and creative focused holiday camps they're called creativity camps there's no staying overnight involved though but um, they're based at Arcti in Cowley and these are for young people aged between 6 and 18 and they're all free to attend so there's no financial barrier at all for any families that we work with and a large percentage of the young people we work with are undergoing some kind of mental health experience so the work we do is um, using the arts to help them kind of get through that period in their lives and use creativity to build resilience and confidence and make friendships. So I started working there, running that project. And then Emmy, who's been the director there for about, I think probably coming up to five years after she came back from maternity leave last year, wanted to share with someone else the role of director. So uh, we now work together three days a week each and I'm actually on maternity leave at the moment because I had a a baby in February so I've been stuck at home even more than normal well than probably would be under current circumstances because of the lockdown so my contact with Arcti at the moment is is more sort of observing what they're up to via social media. But at the moment, um, all sort of the main projects that we do, which span the entire art, are all suspended because work has very much been focused on emergency kind of response to the lockdown. And that has included running a what's called the Cowley Community Larder in collaboration with a few other organisations so essentially running a food bank for families we work with and other families in the area two days a week and also um, Artie's just started sending out creative parcels to different young people. What are those? So you get a parcel in the post with various different things to um, carry on your creative practice at home basically with kind of support and prompts from ArcT staff online. So uh, some of the team have been putting on daily kind of creative prompts on Facebook to um, encourage young people to try out different things, um, as well as running one-to-ones, which is something we do anyway for young people who are going through some kind of mental health crisis. Like, so you can have a one-to-one session possibly once a week. So yeah, if you go, if if you're interested, if there's any young person you know who is potentially experiencing mental health problems, either because of lockdown or not, if you go onto the RT Facebook page, you'll be able to, or the web, or the website, I believe, you'll be able to find a way to refer them to have one to ones with the creative mental health practitioners at RT. That's brilliant. Amazing. Yeah, it's an it's an amazing place. Yeah, and I don't think um, music therapy and drama therapy and art therapy really gets as much recognition as it should do because it's incredibly helpful. And yeah, the arts are very can be very therapeutic. Absolutely. I mean, there was a lot of talk a few years ago about um, creative prescribing, you know, for GPs Mm. to prescribe the arts instead of medication. But um, it hasn't really come about yet, although I still think there's hope there will be because the evidence is there there's all sorts of research papers that have been done in recent years about how you know getting involved in say in singing in a choir or doing art in a group is so much more beneficial than taking medication I've heard Tracy Emin talk about that about uh creativity being a way to 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 work through depression because she has clinical depression 
and she uses art as a form of therapy and encouraging other people to do that. And it makes sense to me because um, I think a couple of you know I, I suffer from obsessive compulsive disorder. But one thing I've noted is that when I'm writing, it rarely flares up. It's like it gets put on hold. Say when I'm playing my guitar, I think part of it is that I just it's hard to think and do stuff with your hands and um, allow OCD thoughts into your head at the same yeah. time. It's just yeah. that total focus. But it's more than that. It's a it's a it's a feel a feeling of being sort of trance like feeling, I think, and um, it's just a pleasurable thing, isn't it? As much as anything, and I'm sure the endorphins flow and all of that. Absolutely, singing makes you happy. <laughs> yeah well you know just putting on music can change your mood even when you're sad putting on sad music can make you feel better yeah i was watching last night the um new gareth malone program he's been doing um singing sessions online every weekday throughout the whole of lockdown he's also been collaborating with different people to write songs and um it's on it's on the iplayer and you can see he's been writing songs with different groups of people so the episode last night was with key workers so a nurse and a doctor and a care home worker all writing songs as a way of expressing their emotions about what they've been going through and it was incredibly moving and also they were all saying how much music helps them to kind of to express themselves and also to get through what they've been going through mm. and is the guitar a new thing for you jeremy oh, no, i've been playing guitar for years but since lockdown i mean it had kind of gone by the wayside but i've been exploring writing songs again it's more like finishing songs <laughs> it's these fragments of songs that have been floating about in my head and on my garage band for years I've been sort of completing them and actually being bothered to memorize the lyrics and, and practicing on a regular basis mainly because there's been very little else to do but I've noticed that in the last three months uh, certainly my playing has improved a lot and I'd really like to get back out there and do some live gigs um, again because you reach a certain age and you think well I won't say how old I am <laughs> I wouldn't have asked. <laughs> I'm over over the halfway mark now. You already mentioned a birthday. <laughs> I did. Well, it's beyond. It's beyond that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'd like to go out and play some festivals. Really, like I've been doing last few years. I've been doing drama workshops at the Wood Festival, which obviously didn't happen this year. And and then I go because you get a weekend pass, and I go and watch the bat. I thought well, that's that's kind of what I'd really like to be doing. I almost feel like a shadow artist here. Not that I don't enjoy doing the drama workshops, but I really like to be up on stage, you know, playing my acoustic guitar mm. and singing. When I was eighteen, I wanted to be like a pop star, and uh, I actually believed that I was going to be a pop star. And so I just stopped working. Uh, <laughs> I didn't do any work at all because I absolutely believed, and it never happened. And uh, so there's a message, kids. <laughs> But, that, but I had all these lofty ambitions. And now my ambitions are very, very humble, I think. I just want to play for the sake of playing. And obviously, it's, it'd be great if there's an audience there. There's obviously that buzz about it. I actually feel I'm getting better as I'm getting older. And I think it would actually be, you know, a waste. Same thing with acting, really. I'd sort of give it up on acting till I moved to, to Oxford. I was more into writing. And then I met Lizzie. And uh, got involved in one of Lizzie's projects, and uh, as a writer, she said this was Mapping Wonderland, and she said, "Do you do you maybe want to do some acting as well?" I said, "Oh yeah, that'd be fun." And so I got back into it, and the two things have kind of gone hand in hand: the acting and the writing, and can get a bit out of control because if you're sort of multitasking like that. But I think basically, you get to a certain age, and you don't want to waste time, and you get to the point you go, "Well, I, I don't want to tell anybody that I think I might be talented," but you get to a certain point, you think. Oh, I'm going to be dead in 25 years. <laughs> I haven't got time for this, oh, you know. 
And the other thing I felt, I'm really digressing now, is that I've always felt guilty about doing creative stuff because I think because it's pleasurable. So I don't consider it work. And that's been a huge barrier um, because I don't even if I'm getting paid for it, I think it's not really work, is it? You know, mm. and I think there's some kind of Protestant work ethic thing that's going on in the back of my head that makes me feel guilty. In actual fact, you work harder than a lot of people in an office, yeah. you know, putting a play together or rehearsing songs or whatever. But because you find it so pleasurable, there's always that little niggly thing. Oh, this isn't proper work. I think that's a hurdle to get over. And some, I think for a lot of people that doesn't ever go away. There's like a guilt yeah. that <laughs> sending invoices to people <laughs> for the work that you've done because it was so much fun. Hmm. Well, I, I hate it when they say, how much do you charge for your services? <laughs> oh, that's awful, isn't it? <laughs> what was this play that you met on? Uh, Mapping Wonderland. So, um... This was the the second production I created when I had moved back to Oxford. So this was 2011. It was a collaborative project and I wanted to create a piece of promenade theatre throughout the city centre. I thought it was quite strange that there was nothing at the time, and I still don't know if there is really, a sort of tour of Oxford. You know, there are loads of tours of a city Mm. like Oxford, but um, nothing theatrical. And I felt like there was so much potential to create a theatrical experience. At the time, it was just sort of beginning to be those kind of um, experiential sort of events in various different cities, like Punch Drunk had just become fairly big in London, and, and I'd heard about something else similar in New York, and I thought there was loads of potential in Oxford. And um, so basically it was inspired by the idea that Lewis Carroll was inspired by Oxford to write Alice in Wonderland. And the concept was that Oxford was the real wonderland. And so we took tourists mainly on a walk through the city centre, sort of the Radcliffe Camera, Queen's Lane, Christchurch College Gardens areas with different characters from Oxford's real past that had all had something slightly magical about them. So Alice Liddell was in it. The, the girl that had inspired Alice in Wonderland, but also Christopher Wren, um, because he designed, you know, you're really testing my brain cells here. <laughs> um, my uh, mum with a small baby brain cells here. Um, uh, so Christopher Wren had redesigned uh, a city of London after it burnt down because of the fire of London. And my idea was that he was very much inspired by Oxford and all the sort of magical dreamlike thinking that happened in Oxford to create this sort of perfect city also the character that inspired the Mad Hatter was in it and he he was a furniture maker um, who had a furniture shop on the high street um, and famously apparently designed a bed that tipped you up into a bucket of ice cold water when the alarm clock <laughs> went off and um, submitted his um, prototype to the Victorian Albert annual exhibition and Jeremy remind me who you played. Uh, John Howell Dane, who did experiments That's with nice. gases and he lived in Oxford. He designed the World War One gas mask. He also came up with the idea of putting a canary down a coal mine. And he was always sort of sticking himself in toxic gas chambers to test the effects of gas. And, look at it, and his child would have to pull him out. That's right. He locked himself in his wardrobe, didn't he? And got his yes. daughter to stand outside and open the door when he fainted. <laughs> But she became a famous scientist herself. I'm trying to remember what her name was. Wasn't she a science fiction writer? I can't remember. That's right. She was the first. 
female science fiction author. Yeah. And uh, James Haldane was not James Haldane, uh, James Sadler, the balloonist. Yes, that's right. That James Sadler. So Gavin Moore, actor, played um, James Sadler and he launched a hot air balloon off Christchurch Meadows. Basically, the idea of the production was that it was all about dreaming and thinking, you know, like coming up with inventions or ideas that were dreamlike and magic like and being fueled by your creativity because yeah, of sounds great. Oxford and, mm, and amazing. Yeah, it was great and we had loads of people go on this tour but the real sad thing and the sad thing about the theatre as is so often the way is I just couldn't make it work financially we couldn't pay mm. everyone all the I think there were six actors on it I did the sums and budgets so many different ways see if we could do it cutting down the number of actors and keep it going because it was really popular but it's such yeah. a lovely idea yeah. it's such a it shame. was it was a lovely lovely thing to work on and I met Jeremy on it and various other people on it who have become friends for life so and was the show that you worked on after that was that while they're away no we did three Three things, three productions in 2011 was a crazy year. We did Mapping Wonderland in the summer, and then when we went straight on to do the opening of the old fire station in November, we did a promenade show um, which we co wrote, and that was inspired by the history of the building as a fire station. And then we did. <laughs> A Mama's Michaelmas and the Empress Matilda. We basically did an alternative Christmas show at the Oxford Castle inspired by a Mama's play um, with Empress Matilda trying to escape the tower and being <laughs> chased by a um, dark knight <laughs> <laughs> and and being rescued by Jeremy Allen, who was a... Uh, who we was rode called, hobby horses, by the way. Yeah, who rode a hobby horse around Oxford Castle. <laughs> bonkers production and it was freezing cold it was the coldest winter I can possibly imagine and I ended up having to stand in for Matilda at about two hours notice because she had a sore throat and she couldn't speak and I had to learn all the lines in about two hours oh my goodness (laughs) that was a challenging (laughs) year and then while while they're away, which you mentioned. Yeah, but the Bureau of City Sports as well, wasn't oh, that gosh, before course, while they're away? Yeah, Although yeah. that was, I don't know how to describe yeah. that. Uh, the what? The Bureau of City Sports. <laughs> Please do tell us about that. So that was for, um, we were commissioned by Oxford City Council to create something for um, the London Olympics in Oxford. Different cities were doing their own celebrations. Mm-hmm. And so I'd been quite inspired by sports that had been invented but never sort of stuck (laughs) um, in the past. So if you look at old Pathé news footage, you can see all sorts of strange and wonderful sports from the past that we perhaps don't know about anymore. Uh, Things like broom hockey and... um, Blind boxing. Blindfolded. Blindfolded Blindfolded boxing, boxing, sorry. Um, And and then we also wove in a few sort of Monty Python-esque, like, silly yeah, walks. silly walks competition, right. knobbly knees competition. Lovely. So we basically did a sports day. We did a very silly sports day, which was um, facilitated by four professional actors, including uh, Emma Webb and Lee Woodward 
and um, I'm sure there are others I've forgotten who are still in OTM, um, and then commentated. So Jeremy often commentated with the silliest possible commentary you could imagine. <laughs> and we did it uh, We did it at loads of festivals and events for like two two or three summers. Yeah, we did the Trap Festival, didn't we? And we did, uh, was it Wilderness? We did. we did Wilderness and also all the Oxfordshire Play Days, which are these Oxfordshire Play Association events for families to encourage families to play together using free or no, you know, no cost items. Yeah, it was brilliant. They were great those summers. And then I think it was while they're away. I've got a poster in front of me. So that was 2015, actually, while they're away. So that was just an idea we both sort of simultaneously conceived, as I recall, in the, in the foyer of the, of the old fire station, because I was reading a book on the First World War and you mentioned you wanted to do something about Oxford in the First World War. And it just sort of flew from there. Yeah. I'd seen these amazing photographs of the town hall as a military hospital in the First oh. World War. And it was coming up to the centenary. And I really wanted to, because I, I, I was making a lot of site-specific work at the time, and um, I really wanted to recreate this idea of the town hall as a military hospital for the centenary and discovered that Jeremy was really into history. We pitched the idea to Oxford Museum, and he ended up writing a, a full-length play inspired by various different people who'd been in Oxford during the war. So it was about the effort on the home front in mm. Oxford. And they, they were all real people. Some were quite well known, like Otlin Morrill, the society hostess, who was part of the Bloomsbury set, who lived up in Garsington. And then Siegfried Sassoon, the war poet, mm-hmm. who was staying at Somerville College when it was a hospital. But then there were some, some local people. Violet Slater, do you remember her? We interviewed, didn't we? We interviewed some people. We went down the... She was Margaret. Yes, Margaret Bonfiglioli, who uh, still lives in Oxford. And her father was in the First World War. So we did something about and, and her grandmother was a pacifist. So we thought that was a really good sort of conflict, that the, the son going off to war at the age of 18 and the mum being a Quaker uh, and a pacifist. It was a really good sort of potential conflict there. And she helped with the workshops and with the research, didn't she, Margaret? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, it was fantastic. And a lot of people, a lot of the actors actually have gone on to be OTN members, like, um, like Tanner and uh, Jennifer and Rachel. Mm. Yeah, well, um, Tanner told the story of he did. OTN yeah. being founded, didn't he, after rehearsals? For yes, production. and it came out of that from out of that show. Yeah, Jenny Johns was in it, and Rachel May Brady was in it, and Tanner and... There were two other guys, weren't they? That are not Oxford-based. Yeah. Not Oxford-based, no. And Pete. Yeah, so, and, and then obviously in the, in the backstage, team as well like josh tomlin but yeah we as as tana said we used to go to the St. all dates tavern after rehearsals every night and chat um and out of that was born the idea for otm this week's play of the week is from gay paul i've chosen two plays i'm afraid steaming by nell dunn is the first one it is it was the play that moved my career as such on more than once first time way back in the late 70s i was a general nurse in the east end not feeling quite right in my own skin then saw steaming at theater Royal stratford east and thought maybe that's who i am maybe i'm an actor a few years later i plucked up the courage and auditioned using Josie as a speech, that particular bit where advanced towels on the floor and wants me to lie down on it. I screwed up my eyes tight and I said, come on, Josie, you need the money. That one. And then 
when after many years um, at home with my two boys and my mum being ill, the week after my mum's funeral, I went for an audition. It was like a sign to do steaming, which I did at the Elgiva Theatre. And that got me back in the world of acting again, really. And sort of the same connection, because it's got Nell. But it's Nell Gwynn, who um, is a character with a similar start in life as Josie from Steaming. And I've chosen Nell Gwynn by Jessica Swell because it's a fantastic play. And also because I was really privileged to have my life moved on by her when I went on an Alvon Foundation writing course last year. So they are my two plays. Oh, and Jessica Swell is the one to watch. She's my tip for the next Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Lizzie, you were also the chair of the committee for a number of years. Do you think yeah. it has OTM has grown in the way you'd expected or, or hoped it would? Well, what I was thinking about recently was how many of the initial desires that we'd had in those conversations in those early months, both at the pub during after rehearsals and in our first few meetings, how we talked about what we wanted has been achieved and even more so. You know, there was very much a desire to connect people because I remember Turner talking passionately at the time about how when he turned up at Oxford, in Oxford, having moved here, I think he moved here directly from America, and how we just didn't have a clue who to contact and how to connect with the theatre scene. And I think I and the others in the production all felt we really wanted to connect more. And, you know, like just have somewhere to go if you moved into Oxford and wanted to make theatre. Who do you get in touch with? And I think yeah. at the time the theatres felt quite unapproachable. If you're a humble theatre maker and you just mm. wanted to say, hello, please hire me or this is me and this is what I do. So it was about creating a network so we all felt like we were stronger combined together um, and then create more visibility for our work. So, you know, we talked quite a lot at the beginning about having some kind of festival where all our work was showcased and, you know, a couple of years later, that's how Emanate, we um, showcase that industry professionals invited to came out of that idea. And obviously OTM has done loads more than that. 24-hour play, all the socials, the play readings, this podcast, which is such a good <laughs> idea. I have loved listening <laughs> to them. And it's been good. so nice just hearing what everyone's up to and yeah. just feeling still connected because, um, you know, I think particularly being on maternity leave and not really being able to make work at the moment, I feel very isolated and just listening to everyone else talk about what they're doing just makes me feel part of the community more and also being in the same kind of boat yes yes all stuck at home and you know and I've been really interested to hear people talk about how they've actually found that they haven't really wanted to make work at the moment lots of people Mm -hmm. said that they've wanted to take a step back and give themselves permission to rest and think and I found that really reassuring to hear several other OTM members say that yeah I feel like it's not just me I find yeah there were were people saying that oh yeah I'm I'm learning Russian or (laughs) 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 and doing a daily aerobics class and all the rest of it and I was like getting up at midday watching YouTube. Uh, but having said that, I think what it does, it forces you to take a step back and uh, kind of think about where you want to do it, what you want to do in the future. And there's certain things I was doing. Think, do I really want to do that again? You know, yeah. certain, I'm not mm. going to say what, but there's certain things I'm kind of, 
recalibrating my approach mm. or my my re-entry and there's certain things that do I really want to do that and and um I like that the idea of a re-entry Jeremy like coming back a re-entry that's a, like a yeah. creative hiatus but the flip side of that is that because I've been in situations because uh, my partner is working from home I'm on furlough because I'm luckily because I also work as a tour guide and there's been many hours where I've literally had not much to do apart from read, play my guitar and do writing. It's forced me to knuckle down and, and, I, and I have been quite productive. So I've, I've had lots of relaxation time and been, and been productive and mm-hmm. really enjoying watch, watching a lot of the online streaming. Are there any shows that you can recommend? Theatre or movie. I was looking forward to that part. <laughs> Theatre or movie. <laughs> You've got a very long list for it. <laughs> I have. Well, the th- I've enjoyed watching some of those national theatre shows. Yeah. yeah. The scale of it and the expense has kind of blown me away. And the way they, uh, the sheer geography. I mean, I don't know if you saw that show. I think it was James Graham play, This House. Mm-hmm. And the way they actually use the whole auditorium and some of the audience are actually on stage and they basically yeah. made the whole theatre the House of Commons. But remembering all those entrances and, and exits must have been an absolute nightmare, you know, the choreography, uh, choreography of movement. And I saw Small Island last week. That was absolutely amazing. That blew me away. That just really affected me, actually, probably more than any other play I'd seen on an emotional level. But yeah, I don't know what you, you guys have been watching. Well, Lizzie, is there anything that you've been watching that you'd recommend? Not so much watching, so really. I'm gutted because I would love to watch those National Theatre productions and what an opportunity to catch up on stuff you've missed. But unfortunately, get the violins out. I, I have very, like, almost no child-free time at of the moment. Course. So watching productions is not very easy. So I've mainly been listening to podcasts because I'm awake in the night a lot so that um listening to podcasts uh is a good one so I love all those interview kind of podcasts like Adam Buxton's and Louis Theroux and um recently getting into the Sue Perkins one um I also like How to Fail another one I really like which others in OTM might like is um Honest Actors that's um about actors talking about their honest experiences of what it's like to work in mainly in the theatre industry really um the OTM one of course then I've been reading quite a lot of novels and memoirs I'm reading the Jeanette Winterson memoir at the moment which is really good and I read one called Educated um, by Tara Westover which is about a woman who grew up in a Mormon family in America and her family didn't believe in going to school but somehow she uh, managed to educate herself and went to Cambridge in the end that's a really amazing memoir um and then a bit of Netflix I what did we we watched last week uh, a drama that's really good I could really recommend is it's called Manhunt the Unabomber and it's oh about, nice. that's brilliant it's so good. And it's got Paul Bettany in it yeah. playing He's the terrific. Unabomber. So that's about the hunt for a terrorist who sent something like 15 mail bombs in the States throughout the 70s, 80s and 90s. And and it's about the uh, CIA trying to track him down. But it's really good. It builds the tension really well. And Paul Bettany is also really good in it. But I'm going to try and watch some theatre. <laughs> Those national theatre plays are quite long, aren't they? And, and even I've been Yeah, they are. Because, because I think, oh, yeah, I'll, 
I'll watch it late at night, but then you realise they're like, they're nearly three hours. Yeah, mm. a lot of them I've watched in two halves. No, I don't like breaking them up. You know, you want to sort of watch them in one sitting. So that's why I haven't. Jeremy, what are you looking forward to later on in the year? Well, I I, I think going to the pub. I mean, I'm far too scared at the moment. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but I am when it when it all passes, and I'm feeling confident going to the pub having a drink i think is what i I know it sounds really basic but you do that's what you miss the basic things don't you of course yeah you know or going for coffee or Mm -hmm. you know having a fried breakfast whatever something really really simple and lizzie same question to you what are you looking forward to later on yeah i mean i can pretty much echo everyone else's answer to this like um i mean for sure going to the theater really miss it but i don't even know if that's going to be this year that we get to do that again but i think yeah it's um it's hugging people hugging friends i just i can't imagine how lovely it's going to be to see people and give them a huge hug yeah i think that's my answer really i'm with you on that one yeah i think we can all have a big group hug otm hug that would be lovely That could be the social, the first social when we're allowed out. Turn it into an installation. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Mass hugging. Mass hugging. Where can people go to keep up to date with all things Lizzie? Well, yes, I suppose I'm I'm in a bit of hibernation mode at the moment, but um, you can check out the underconstructionstheatre.com website for all sorts of things about productions I've done in the past. And I interact with the OTM Facebook page quite a bit so um, yep. that's another good place to kind of reach me really or the ARC-T website if you're more interested in what ARC-T is doing that's arc-t.org and Jeremy how about you? I'm a bit of a luddite when it comes to to websites but <laughs> I, I do have I do have a podcast called Oxford Lives where we interview people uh, who live in Oxford and have good stories to tell and who do interesting work and contribute to the community. Lizzie's been a guest. You'll mm-hmm. both have to be a guest on it at some point, but that's mm-hmm. where Oxford Lives, you can find it on Libsyn, I'm the real plug here, or iTunes or Spotify or all the usual channels. So that's one place. As regards work, we do hope to do Analyze Thou, which was the Shakespearean characters on the therapist couch play that we were going to do with the old fire station. We were reviving it this year, but of course it got cancelled. So it's been put back till I think May next year. So in the meantime, we're just looking looking at options of putting it out there on Zoom, basically, and using using modern day technology. You Great. know, try and reach people with a mental health angle, uh, which a few of the guests have talked about. I noted, but yeah, trying to reach people who might not be able to get out of the house and, and go to theatres, even outside of lockdown. People are, who live in remote areas, but that that's the angle we're coming from. Just using using modern technology. I know everybody's doing that, so we're going to have to find our unique selling point, but that's something we're exploring at the moment. Do you know what I, I forgot to mention, I should have done, about the Theatre Scratch Night at the old fire station, which probably oh, yes. most people listening to this do know about, I would imagine. Basically, the Theatre Scratch Night happens at the old fire station, and um, it was something I established in 2012, so it's eight years old now. But wow. it's a chance for up to three artists or three companies to present work in progress of some sort at any stage of development 
in front of an audience who then give you feedback and they give you feedback in response to questions that you pose to the audience yourself. So it's like a two-way conversation after some performance. But uh, we were meant to have the next one in October and it is, of course, sadly been cancelled. But um, the uh, the next one, I believe, is going to be in March. And I usually announce a couple of months beforehand. I always post that on the OTM Facebook page. But there's a Theatre Scratch Night Facebook page as well. And also a Theatre Scratch Night website. So if you Google Theatre Scratch Night Oxford, you should be able to find it somewhere. If you've got some work that you think you'd like to show in front of an audience whilst it's still in development at, at the beginning of next year, then please, please have a look out for that. Yeah, it's definitely incredibly helpful for me when I was doing Dreamscape to kind of put some of it on its feet and just find a new way of looking at it. Thank you both so much for joining us today. This has been so, so lovely. Thank you. Keep up the good work. Thank you to our guests, Lizzie McBain and Jeremy Allen. Next week, we'll be discussing playwriting with Carolyn Lloyd-Davis. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review and subscribe. And you can find us on Twitter at Ox Theatre Makers, Instagram Oxfordshire Theatre, Facebook Oxfordshire Theatre Makers and our email is Oxfordshire Theatre Makers Events at gmail.com.